Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Improv Chronicle podcast. I'm Lloydie. How much do external factors, like the space we play in, or the audience that we have in that night, have an influence on what we do on stage as improvisers? And how much impact should they have? As someone who's played to a variety of audiences in a variety of different spaces, I've often wondered just how heavily influenced my improv is by the things around me. And by things, I mean everything that's not another improviser. I spoke to three different improvisers from three different countries to get their take on it. Rob Mulligan improvises in Boston, USA, at Improv Boston, among other places. And he believes whatever the place, whatever's going on around the stage, good improv wins out. If your improv's good, you can deal with any sort of external stimuli, right? Uh, if there's some sort of weird, crazy noise, you'll incorporate it into your set, right? We've all been in that show where someone has a weird laugh and then that weird laugh gets incorporated for some reason. <laughs> it always happens. Um, but I think that the external factors, like something as big as a noisy room and something as small as a slightly larger stage, uh, change your headspace pretty subtly or significantly depending I mean, what do you think space does for the way in which people play i i guess i can only <laughs> say for me but uh mm. for me i want to use the whole stage when i have a big stage i want to use the whole stage um and there are some more uh talky improvisers and i i am one of them but uh there is something freeing about that ability to step forward and make it more theatrical when it's a very big stage and then when it's a very like tiny little stage, it becomes very like it has a, a more intimate feel, uh, but like a less theatrical feel. And it makes me do different characters, I think. Next stop, 
was Emily Brady, one of my teammates in Rhymes Against Humanity, the improvised musical here in Nottingham, UK. The kind of spaces that I perform in are fairly fluid. Um, so, you know, I've performed in tiny little box stages on rooms above pubs. Um, I've performed in 700 seat theatres. I've performed in international improv festivals. I have performed to my mum. Uh, and all of these kind of different um, settings and audiences really, in my case, I think, uh, inform the kind of improv that I do. Um, my the, the kind of improv that I, I'm currently doing with um, various groups like Rhymes Against Humanity and uh, Mind Meld and um, the Improvised Star Wars show are all quite um, loose, I would say loosely structured. They often have a theme. Um, but within that, you're very responsive to the audience and you follow um, what they're interested in and what they're not. And I think the the shape of the room and the the kind of nature of the venue kind of it, it, it that directly impacts the kind of audiences that you get and the kind of feedback that you get on stage as an improviser and the kind of decisions that you then make in the show. Um, I can see why for how some groups that, you know, have really, really um, strong uh, central themes and a strong identity to them, uh, such as, you know, Mayday's Happily Never After or, or Showstopper, um, they, they can sort of transplant that energy and that identity onto pretty much any space. And they're still listening and they're still receptive to the audience. But um, I think in the kind of improv that I'm doing at the moment, uh, which is sort of based in sort of more smaller communities um you do and in shows that have a, a more of a theme that you can then respond to uh throughout it does become a lot uh very sort of receptive to what the audience is doing and of course the kind of nature of the space has a huge impact on that over to canada and rob norman author of improvising now a practical guide to modern improv places a lot of weight on acknowledging the space that you're in I think being present in the actual space and acknowledging what's actually happening is super important. And I feel like if you have a bigger stage, that's a new opportunity for you. In the same way, if there's two people in the audience, that's a new opportunity for you. Uh, me and my my improv partner, Adam Colley, we do a lot of tours. So we travel the world and we'll do workshops and we'll do these shows. And the first thing I wanna see when I arrive in a city is not the big landmarks, not the museums, I want to see that theater I'm performing in. It's like, it's the thing I'm most excited about. You walk into the space and you look at how the chairs are set up. You see if there's a bar, you see what the stage looks like. You look at the green room, you meet some of the other performers, you look at what's on the walls and you go, what are the opportunities in this space? And it's intimidating because you you don't know the contours of this theater. It's It's not your home base where you, you know, every nook and cranny of the space, but also there's things that you're going to be able to do that you can, that you've never done before. Sometimes like I'll perform at a place and I'll just see like a bunch of like black blocks. Like they're like, like theater school, black squares. And I think to myself, what am I supposed to do with these things? <laughs> do I sit on them? Do I stack them? And, and that's like really fun and exciting to try and figure out, how does this space or how does this unique experience inform the story that we're about to tell? Back to Emily, and she believes she makes different choices depending on the size of the space. With Rhymes Against Humanity uh, in particular, um, there are some ven uh, gigs that we do at venues such as um, in Nottingham, we perform at Metronome. And for that, it's a very, very long 
and a quite deep stage, but it's it's a lot more long than it is deep. And for that show, you're mic'd. Um, and the, the energy and the choices that I make in a show like that are very different to a show that I would perform at another Rhymes Regular venue, such as Upstairs at the Western, which is a black box um, above a pub theatre, which I would say, oh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but it's... <laughs> You, you can't, if you're standing sort of four people shoulder to shoulder, you are full on that stage. Um, and there's not a lot of room for movement, which is a great opportunity of and of itself. I, I view that being on that stage a bit like being on a lava lamp. Like you've got a very narrow scope of movement, but you can do a lot with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the space has an impact on most of us. But what about the audience? How can they impact our shows? Rob Mulligan again. If the audience isn't on your side, they're not going to want to laugh as much. So you have to earn them to be on your side. And sometimes there's just an audience that's just like, woo, let's go. And just ready to laugh, right? They're primed, they're warmed up. But the audiences that aren't are definitely, you have to earn their trust and laughter more. I think it's okay to feel that way. You just like, it's okay to say, uh, I, we had a good show, but the audience didn't like it. But also, it's it's also important not to blame a bad audience on your show, too. Right? Like, well, I was fine. Um, because then you're never going to grow either that way. Emily believes the boundaries you set with the audience are important. I've seen some really great, like, you know, two-handers or um, whole pieces that go for a more sort of dramatic edge um, where the audience is willing to sort of go with you and and trust you Um, because I think improv is fundamentally about trust between the audience and the performers and the performers and the performers Um, and I think setting those kind of boundaries with regard to like uh, what is real what is made up what is true um, is important on stage and off and in my opinion I think it's a conversation that should be had with audiences who are who you suspect may be more unsure um, I would, as a personal choice, always rather, uh, if I if I was ever in doubt, say to an audience, this is made up, here are the trappings of what we're doing, rather than launching into something. While Emily ponders our dialogue with the audience, over in Canada, Rob Norman gets philosophical and wonders if external factors really influence us at all. You know, we talk about external factors impacting the performance. I'm not hmm. sure... If they can, maybe they can, maybe they can't. And, and here's what I'm thinking about. Really, the only person that can change your performance is you. If you are unaffected by the theater that you're performing in or the situation that you're in or the unexpected thing happening, then your, your show isn't going to change that much. I feel like for the most part, the external factors end up changing what we expect to happen and i think for a lot of performers that can be a real problem oh explain that changing what we expect to happen yeah so working at second city you would do the same material over and over and over again and i had the benefit of like creating christmas reviews where we would run the same show every night and then i also would understudy the main stage cast so i would drop into performances and cover someone else's parts and it was really interesting to watch actors kind of go through this process of of doing material that was supposed to do very very well and on some nights it just didn't 
it would be a Tuesday night and the house would have 30 audience members and you'd see a performer come back and go, oh, terrible audience tonight. Yeah, they're sleepy, huh? And there would be this like this moment of blame, the idea that it's not me, it's not the material, it's the audience. The audience isn't giving me the thing that I deserve. But I also just wonder like, why are we entitled to any part of the performance? Why are we entitled to rolling laughs? Why are we entitled to, you know, applause? Um, In Toronto, it's very common for you to go do a show on a Tuesday night and be performing to 10 people. And on those nights, I love those shows. Those are some of my favorite shows. I'm not going to get the response that maybe I would love. It's not the response of a Friday night packed house at Comedy Bar. It's going to be a a different response. But that response also can be very, very satisfying because it allows you to play slower, have a more intimate show, connect directly with each and every audience member, which you might not be able to do if it's a sold out show. Hmm. And so um, as long as you aren't caught up in what the show should be, then you can enjoy whatever show that you're in. So can we insulate ourselves from external factors? Rob Mulligan again in Boston. I I think you should be able, or I think you should try and insulate yourself from it, right? Um, and I'm, I think I'm pretty I'm bad at that. I definitely, when the audience laughs at something that I didn't think was funny, I start laughing. Like I, I cause it takes me by surprise and it took them by surprise clearly. Um, but I think if you can do good improv to silence, you can do good improv to a raucous audience, right? It, it's harder to work with no response or little response. But if you can do good improv in that environment, you can do improv when it's easy, which is when the audience is completely on your side. So I, I think that's a long way of saying insulating yourself from it or being prepared to not respond to it. Uh, is a good way to like flex those muscles. I think uh, it, it's one of those things where I think in a perfect world, um, the the art form would be the art form and you would, you know, you'd create what you were going to create regardless of the external factors going on around you. Um, but improv more than any other art form is based on, you know, call and response and putting things out there and they'll fail, but then something else will catch. And those moments that catch are always fantastic. And Rob Norman agrees. Every time you perform in a different show that's not your home base, there's different rules, there's different kinds of jokes, there's different crowds, there's different expectations. And so figuring those things out is a blast. It's so fun trying to navigate the audience and what they want from you and what you what you want to do in that space. Um, so yeah, I, I think those external factors not only are not an uh, impediment to a good show, that's where the good shows are hiding. All of the guests you've heard on this episode have podcasts. Two of them have podcasts that are on hiatus at the moment, but that have a rich back catalogue of material that's well worth checking out. Emily Brady is the host of The Improv Treehouse, and Rob Norman is co-host of The Backline Podcast. Links to both are in the show notes. Plus, Rob Mulligan has two podcasts that he produces. 
I'll let him explain. The first one is uh, called Good Stuff with Robin Nick, where me and one of my best friends, Nick Pappas, we review every single Oreo in existence uh, and give it a ranking. And uh, we are slowly driving ourselves to hating Oreos. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but it's it's fun. We talk about food when we we talk about our lives. Uh, it started during the pandemic, so there's a lot of like that color commentary too. Um, but and but then we have strong opinions about food, so uh, give that one a listen. <laughs> and um, it's important to have strong opinions about food. I do not trust anyone who doesn't have a strong opinion about food. Oh. People who just kind of like eat food and are like, it's fine. I don't care. Like the people who drank Soylent, like I don't get them. I don't trust them. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Uh, and then the uh, the other podcast that I'm on uh, is a long running Dungeons and Dragons actual play podcast called Adventure Incorporated. Uh, you can find it on any. You can find both of these on any uh, podcatcher. Um, but that's a that's had a five year long story that just wrapped up. We just started a brand new story that's like set 300 years in the future. Uh, it's funny. It's touching. Uh, it's heartwarming. And it's also extremely nerdy. Um, so uh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's like my passion project. And uh, I've, I've we've put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into it. So uh, give it a listen. Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast. The next episode is episode 50 for those that enjoy counting. And we're going to get tips from improvisers to find out the things that they do to save a scene that's just not going the way they'd like. The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and hosted by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. Grab a newsletter to go with this podcast. It comes out on the weeks when we don't release an episode. Sign up and get the world of improv in your inbox when you go to improvchronicle.com. 